Hello everyone and welcome back to the MovieX Podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. And I am Paul Schindel. Today we fist the impenetrable orb <laughs> that is the 1974 film Zardoz. <laughs> but first, this is a comedy podcast. If you've not seen the movie we are about to shit on and you want to avoid spoilers, stop now. But if you don't care about spoilers and want to laugh and learn why this movie sucks so bad, grab some green flower baguettes and feed the renegades. But without further ado, let's hand it over to Pablo Francisco. <clears throat> In the distant future, a savage trained only to kill finds a way into the community of bored immortals that alone preserves humanity's achievements. I mean, that's a that's a better logline than I could have come up with for this movie. Yeah, that's I mean, pretty to good. Be honest, yeah. To be honest, like, I'm fucking bored throughout most of this, and I'm not sure what the hell is going on during this movie, but it's really <laughs> fucking weird, but we'll get into it. This is a 20th Century Fox release produced uncredited through John Borman Productions. John Borman Productions only has this movie listed on IMDb, so yeah, there's that. This hunk of ape shit was produced by director John Borman and Charles Orm. John, surprisingly enough, has been nominated for five Oscars over his career. The first two Oscars he was nominated for were for Best Picture and Best Director for the brutal and mostly brilliant 1972 Man vs. Nature vs. Hillbilly Rapists survival film <laughs> Called Deliverance with Burt Reynolds. Squeal boy, squeal. Squeal boy, squeal like a pig. Wee! Wee! <laughs> As you can tell, it's permanently fucked up my psyche, and I am not <laughs> able to, like, release that movie in any way. It's fucking surprising, actually, dude, that that movie is, like, buried so deeply into my subconscious that it just, like, lives there, because... It's like the the movie overall there's not a lot of fucked up shit that happens like it's violent and whatnot but like that rape scene is like permanently burned <laughs> into my memory yeah. and I will never forget it. 1972 was of course the year of The Godfather and Borman lost best picture to The Godfather and best director to Bob Fosse for his musical Cabaret. That's one Oscar that I do not understand is that like okay so Cabaret, Cabaret is an interesting movie and all that, but it's not best director material. Like fucking Francis Ford Coppola, bro. Like he creates The Godfather, right? And if you don't right. know the story of The Godfather, it's basically that the original Three Amigos, which was uh, Francis Ford Coppola, Steven Spielberg, and George Lucas, they had all made a little movie called THX 1138 that they had borrowed a shitload of money in order to make and it like fucking bombed and like the studio hated it and everybody else hated it that was like involved with it and they basically the studios were trying to actively blacklist these people from working again which is kind of interesting but francis ford coppola he was like digging around basically without a job for several years and it actually took this little script coming along that literally everyone in hollywood had passed on multiple times including Steven Spielberg, who had passed on it. I think he said he had passed on The Godfather like 14 times that they've tried to get Spielberg to make that movie. And they just viewed the script as being like too dark or fucking seedy or whatever. And it just so happened that Francis Ford Coppola was so hungry that he was just like, yeah, fuck it, I'll direct it. Nobody else wants it, give it to me. And lo and behold, 
he makes probably and arguably the most brilliant movie of all time. <laughs> it's the most influential movie of all time, but that's all because of THX 1138. So thank you, George Lucas, for fucking up a movie. Actually, you know what? Thank you for fucking up multiple movies because <laughs> God damn it, man. Like you have one Star Wars movie under your belt that's decent and that's, you know, A New Hope. And then you got fucking American Graffiti, which is good. And everything else that you've ever made is absolute shit. I'm sorry, but you just, you fucking suck. And you should retire. I mean, he was executive producer on Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, so what, bro? Return of the Jedi, you know? He had I mean, nothing to do with the story. He didn't direct <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, he did. I mean, he, he, he was there basically telling everyone what to do. He didn't direct I mean, he it. didn't. He didn't, he didn't direct. direct. All right, no. fuck him. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the best movie in the original trilogy was not directed by George Lucas, so that's all I got to say. <laughs> the second three Oscars were all for the 1987 World War II dramedy *Hope and Glory*, for which Borman was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Adapted Screenplay. He lost all three of those to *Last Tango in Paris*, director Bernardo Botticelli's brilliant and often divisive. The Last Emperor. John, as a producer, has produced 30 projects over the years, entering the feature film producing business with 1972's Deliverance. He also produced the travesty Exorcist II, The Heretic, which is a fucking horrible movie. You want to see a fucking tremendous betrayal of all things that are great? Watch The Exorcist II because you're just going to sit there and be like, what the fuck is this? How did they arrive at this after the first Exorcist movie? He also did Excalibur with Helen Mirren, The Emerald Forest with the Great Powers Booth, Hope and Glory, as I previously mentioned, the excellent Brendan Gleeson starring vehicle known as The General, the formulaic Taylor of Panama with the star of our 13th episode on Dante's Peak, Pierce Brosnan, and the poor Sam Jackson, Julia Binoche vehicle, In My Country. Charles Orm produced 13 movies before his death at the age of 88 in 2007, a few of which overlapped with John Borman. The films he did not do with Borman, however, include the typical The Man with the Golden Gun, the second Bond outing by Roger Moore, the celebrated horror classic The Omen, as well as its terrible sequel, and the boring and very 80s sci-fi action movie Outland with Sean Connery, and ending in 1985 with the awful, awful, evangelical, jellical, 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 pandering movie why you have to bring that up yeah, uh, fuck you that's why <laughs> pandering movie king david with richard gear zardoz stars the late great sean connery the brilliant charlotte rampling and bosco hogan sean of course is i mean he literally just died when we're recording this episode what like a week ago he died yeah not yeah not a little. it was between this movie which I think has decent points, and then just like shitting on Sean's grave with the <laughs> League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So right, right, that was the toss-up this week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would—I, I don't know. I kind of feel like it would have been in bad taste to do League of Extraordinary Gentlemen because it's such a fucking yeah. horrible movie. Yeah, usually when you're eulogizing someone, you don't bring up the worst things they've ever done. <laughs> I hope that that happens at my funeral, is that people just talk about the worst fucking things I've ever done in my just life. Shit. <laughs> Sean, of course, is known for being James Bond in seven movies, including Dr. No, From Russia With Love, Goldfinger, and Diamonds Are Forever. 
You may wonder why I left out Thunderball. It's because I hate that movie, even though it is not the worst Bond movie. That distinction goes to Moonraker. Fuck Moonraker. It's a pile of shit. I don't recall. Is that the one where they go to space and have Yes, like, yes. And there's the sex, sex scene where they're floating. In Wait, isn't that with the- Roger Moore, though? Yes, that- it's with Roger okay. Moore. I'm yeah. just saying worst Bond movie ever is Moonraker. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I was so angry about... Uh, Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace that... Uh, <laughs> worst bond movie though like stack it up against uh, moonraker no, I, I, maybe i don't know no. <laughs> <laughs> sean also starred and won an oscar for his wonderful performance in brian de palma's excellent and violent the untouchables the most excellent movie made by five directors known as the longest day with john wayne my personal favorite of his the man who would be king with michael Caine, which is a fucking brilliant movie the underappreciated A Bridge Too Far, Terry Gilliam's bonkers short person extravaganza called Time Bandits, Highlander, There Can Only Be One, The Unfairly Derided The Name of the Rose, The Hilarious and Awesome Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, The Brilliant Hunt for Red October, which I cannot get enough, and the excellently performed Gus Van Sant movie called Finding Forrester. However, his career is plagued by awful movies, Zardoz included, with the likes of The Terrorists, Robin and Marion, Meteor, The Presidio, Family Business, Highlander 2, apparently there could never only be one, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with fucking Kevin Costner, Medicine Man, Rising Sun with Wesley Snipes, First Night, Dragonheart, The Rock, Entrapment, and The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, a movie that he passed on The Matrix Trilogy, and Lord of the Rings to do, and unfortunately, the last movie people remember him in. Charlotte Rampling plays Consuela in this movie. And no, that is not Consuela with Family Guy, where she just goes, no, no, no. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> is that Consuela. name cultural appropriation? Oh, absolutely. Are you Irish fucking kidding me? Man? Yeah. Yeah. You think a woman like... from Ireland would be named Consuela? <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, she's starred in over 130 movies over the years and is God terrific damn. in the movie 45 Years, which she was nominated for Best Actress at the 2016 Oscars. She's also terrific in the 2003 movie Swimming Pool, Lars von Trier's Brilliant Melancholia with Kirsten Dunst, Never Let Me Go, The Underwatched But Gorgeous, The Mill and the Cross with Rick Garhauer, and many, many others. She also unfortunately got mixed up in Basic Instinct 2 with Dr. Moreau star David Thewlis. Passage to Mars with Zachary Quinto. Side note, Zach, please stop playing Spock. You try your best, but your best just isn't good enough. Charlotte also got mixed up doing a Vin Diesel movie called Babylon AD that is fucking awful. (laughs) Assassin's Creed with Michael Fassbender that proved no more video game movies should ever be made, despite who is involved. The killer whale Jaws wannabe called Orca. And the boring as shit crime mystery with Clive Owen called I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. Lastly, Bosco Hogan has been in the absolutely incredible Daniel Day-Lewis vehicle In the Name of the Father, which is one of my all-time favorite movies and performances of an actor. But this achievement is hampered significantly by the awful Mickey Rourke vehicle from this year called The Legion, the typical and boring King Arthur with Clive Owen, and the absolute disaster of a movie that is The Professor and the Madman from last year with Sean Penn and Mel Anti-Semitic Gibson. 
This movie is only credited to John Borman as writer and director. As I covered previously with his producing career, John has done some good ones, but this is unequivocally one of his worst. He wrote the aforementioned awful movie The Professor and the Madman as well. So, there's that. Zardoz was first released on the 6th of February 1974 in the U.S. to a budget of $1.6 million and does not have first-run numbers. Apologies, as this is another older film which does not have any box office data, but it does have some more recent numbers thanks to BoxOfficeMojo.com. This movie was re-released to tracked data on December 3rd, 2008 with a $6,320 gross and opening, making this officially our lowest grossing movie of all time. Wait, $600? Is that what you said? $6,320. <laughs> yeah. This movie's gross is so low, it is impossible to tabulate its placing on the charts on that December 2008 weekend. So I'll just assume that it was one of the dead last that weekend. <laughs> this same weekend, the top five were dominated by the Vince Vaughn, Reese Witherspoon Christmas romantic comedy Four Christmases in the number one spot in its second week, the first fucking Twilight movie in the number two spot in its third week, the entertaining and warm-hearted Disney animated film Bolt in the number three spot in its third week, the Baz Luhrmann-directed box office disaster with Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman called Australia in the fourth spot in its second week. Side note, if you don't know the story about Australia, Baz Luhrmann spent $130 million to make it the first time and hated it and literally reshot the whole fucking movie <laughs> in order to make a different film, besides the fact. And lastly, rounding out the top five was the clusterfuck of a poorly edited movie and one of the most confusing movies ever made, Quantum of Solace in its third week. <laughs> this movie's box office numbers are so low, I cannot begin to rank it in terms of its all-time placings. Let's just say it's bad, okay? Like, it's really fucking bad. I'm sure that some student film that, you know, the janitor that now cleans your fucking toilets made has made more money than this fucking movie made in its second-to-run release, but I digress. Side note, on the same weekend of its February 1974 release was Mel Brooks's classic comedy western Blazing Saddles, which would go on to gross a stunning $119.5 million, which in today's dollars would be equated to $665.2 <laughs> million. Dollars. This gross would effectively place Blazing Saddles as the 39th highest grossing movie overall domestically, adjusted for inflation, obviously behind 2004's Shrek 2 and ahead of 2002's Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, which I hate, by the way, but that's another story. <laughs> anyway, I digress. The country that avoided Zardoz, like the petrifying corpse that it was, was France with a $3,631 opening. The highest grossing movie of all time in France is Welcome to the Sticks, the French comedy that we had previously spoken about in episode 19 when we looked at Speed Racer, and found Welcome to the Sticks to be the top grossing movie in Belgium. Welcome to the Sticks made $245 million worldwide on a $16 million budget, and 188.8 .8 of that total came just from France. So yeah, big, big release. To give you some idea, uh, Avengers Endgame, right, the biggest movie of all time currently, made like $80 million or something like that in France. And this made $188 million, so like the French really flocked to this fucking movie. But anyway, 
with an average of 6.08 euros in 2008 per ticket or $8.94 American. That means that 406.15 people saw this movie on its 34th anniversary opening weekend in France. We don't yet have a name for 15% of a human being, but why don't we call him the Flaming Lips and go with that? In case you don't know that reference, it's because of gummy fetuses and whatnot. Still not getting it. <laughs> mm. The Flaming Lips, if you don't know, did this album where they didn't want to release it on CD, so they put it on a USB drive, right? And they sent it out like that in like this fucking box. But the USB drive was encased in a, a plastic bag that was encased inside of a gummy fetus that you had huh. to like eat or tear open <laughs> in order to get to the USB drive. And I thought it was like brilliant, brilliant marketing. But yeah, that would be 15% of a human being, right? A fetus? That, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Anyway, with a population of 63.96 million people in 2008, that means that 6.35 one millionths of 1% of France's population saw Zardoz during its 2008 re-release. Zardoz has a surprisingly high 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb with 19,356 votes, a 46 on Metacritic, and a splatty 47% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 54% audience score. This movie rubs shoulders in its IMDb rating with Dante's Peak, is 0.1 points above Hollow Man and 0.1 points below The Tourist. So not great company to have there. This movie ranks highest amongst females aged less than 18 with a 7 out of 10, which I would uh -huh. not have called, by the way. Uh, that's and, pretty interesting. Yeah, fucking weird. And I Lois, guess it's Sean Connery's costume and mustache. Something I don't know, like dude. I mean, it's got to do something with like having a terrible relationship with your father or something like that. <laughs> I'm not going to go into the psychology of this right now. But uh, this movie ranks lowest amongst males aged 45 plus with a 4.8 out of 10, which is also surprising because I would have thought that was the demographic for this movie specifically. This week, I am zombified with apathy at the 1,631 people, or 8.4% of the voters, who rated this movie a perfect fucking 10 best <laughs> movie ever made on IMDb. My favorite reviews this week begin with Judith Christ of New York Magazine and Vulture. Judith resounds, quote, Zardoz demonstrates how one can make a cheap sci-fi flick look like a cheap sci-fi flick by using mirrors and prisms as substitutes for imagination. Original score, one out of four stars. Legendary film critic Roger Ebert gathers all knowledge to himself in, quote, Borman puts a lot of heavy concepts into Zardoz, but seems uncertain whether he takes them seriously himself. In the movie's own terms, this can be said for sure. It may not make you apathetic, but it will certainly age you by two hours. End quote. Original score, 2.5 out of 4 <laughs> stars. My final review this week comes from Will Thomas at Empire Magazine. Will fossilizes, quote, Zardoz is a fascinating reminder of what cinematic science fiction used to be like before Star Wars. This risable hodgepodge of literary illusions, highbrow porn... Sci-fi staples, half-baked intellectualism, and real desire to do something revelatory misses the mark by a hundred miles but has elements, its badness being one of them, that makes it strangely compelling, end quote. 
Original score, 1 out of 5 stars. Lastly, Zardoz is rated R by the MPAA. This was before ratings descriptors, obviously, so none of that bullshit. It's got nudity. What else does it have in it? Yeah, there's nudity. Violence, I don't I remember guess. any language. There was some violence. I don't know if any of the some violence rape. would have qualified yeah. it as an R rating, <laughs> but yeah, the rape, definitely, that's an R rating right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty... So, Paul, I want to talk about Triss Speaker, okay? Oh. The 5'11", 193, 24-year-old lefty from Hubbard, Texas, stands over home plate in Boston, Massachusetts on October 16, 1912, with 17,034 people in attendance, less than half full, by the way. This is the inaugural season played in the newly minted Fenway Park, and this day game on a mostly cloudy 67-degree day shows speakers Boston Red Sox down 2-1 to one in the 10th inning. This is game 8 of the World Series, and a royal fuck-up by the mother of all fuck-ups is brewing. New York Giants pitcher Christy Mathewson walked Steve Yeckers in the previous play that loaded first and second bases. Giants pitcher Fred Snodgrass had made an error of hubris the previous pitch that loaded first and second after that. This was going to be tight, but it wasn't outside of the legendary Christy Mathewson to strike out these remaining dicks and put the Giants back on the plate to get this game back. Christy winds up and pitches a foul pop-up that should have yielded an easy second out that could have cleared the bases and perched speaker and the Sox in an impossibly precarious position. This easy foul pop-up speaker made could have and should have been caught to yield the out, if it weren't for our familiar fuck-up standing in the field, our dear friend, who can't seem to get on base, and now can't seem to be bothered to catch a fucking ball <laughs> that is shot directly to him, that's right, listeners, our friend Fred Merkel of Merkel's Boner <laughs> fame fucked this play up by not paying attention to the one thing he is supposed to pay attention to, a fly ball heading his way. Merkel's royal fuck-up leads to a tie that puts Larry Gardner in the batter's box that Giants pitcher Fred Snodgrass is on the mound. If he doesn't strike this douchebag out, he's fucked. The Sox are going to clinch the series. You stand on the mound in Snodgrass's shoes wondering if you can strike this asshole out or if there's any way Merkel has totally fucked you out of the series. Hint, he did. And it's not Snodgrass's <laughs> fault. That's what's about to happen, happens. This is it, Paul. Your reputation for the next 100 years is riding on this one fucking pitch to go right to clear the diamond and strangle back your hold on the series. But alas, you wind up and you pitch this motherfucker to me, Paul. Zardoz speaks to you, John <laughs> Borman. You are chosen. You have been raised up by brutality in the Hollywood studio system. You have been raised to kill bad movies and are legion. You directed Deliverance, but failed to bring Lord of the Rings to the screen. Now you will direct my movie. To this end, Zartos, your god, gave you the gift of the script. The script is good. The script is good. The studio penis is evil. <laughs> the studio penis 
shoots films and makes new movies, and poisons the earth with a plague of bad <laughs> films as it once was. But the script shoots death and purifies the earth of the filth of the studios. Go forth and film. <laughs> Man, nice. I, nice. I had this. I had this vision. I had this vision. It came to me in the night. I, I happen to be doing a lot of LSD, but uh, you know, sure, it doesn't matter. Sure, it's, uh, obviously. Uh -huh. But it's about it's a guy named Zed, right? <laughs> Played by Sean Connery. Oh, dope, we're gonna dress dope. him up. We're gonna dress him up in a one-piece little bikini. Give him a long-ass ponytail and some handlebar mustaches. Oh, He's gonna go around raping and killing just about everything in sight in this movie. Wow! But the twist is there's a giant flying head god named Zardoz. <laughs> Zardoz commands the exterminators to go forth and kill. <laughs> what we don't know is that Zardoz is actually controlled, controlled <laughs> by a man, and behind the curtain, just like Wizard of Oz. Get it? Oh, Cover shit. the W I and of, and you get Zardoz. Oh shit! We're gonna. Wow. Right, we're gonna fucking cram in as many tits and ass in this movie as we can nice, possibly get away nice, with. Nice, nice. It's gonna be amazing. Nice. It's gonna have, it's gonna have mirrors, vortexes, brutal sex. <laughs> gonna have some <laughs> erections for sure. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Nice. And nice. I mean, there's gonna be a final mirror scene, just like the fight in Enter the Dragon, you know, with Bruce Lee. Oh yeah. Except it's gonna be uh, ten times as long and. 10 times as boring and <laughs> 10 times as incomprehensible. Nice. What do you think? Nice. What do you think? No, oh, I think if you give me that bag of Coke that you brought with you, you got a movie made, bro. All right. Yeah. I got plenty more. I got plenty. Give more. me the cocaine. Zardoz. Zardoz is pleased. <laughs> I think I heard it too, man. Are you sure this is cocaine? I'm not snorting acid here. Honestly, I don't know what's in that powder. <laughs> You hadn't seen this movie before, right? No, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. All right, so give me give me your gut reaction, given that this is your first time seeing it. Well, when all the dudes like gather around the flying head and Zardoz is telling them that the gun is good and the penis is evil, <laughs> it starts like vomiting all these guns and <laughs> shotgun shells out of the mouth. I'm like, oh, is this what it's, a Trump rally is like or an NRA <laughs> rally or what? Yeah, NRA rally for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. This movie has a lot of uh really interesting stuff going on for it. Uh, it's kind of uh it's got a lot of inventiveness and some uh fun things, but uh overall it's pretty boring. And there are a lot of parts where it just dragged to fucking right. no end. And, right. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think most of it made sense once the movie <laughs> kind of wrapped up, but you know, it has long stretches of you're just not sure what the fuck is going on. And of course it uses all these flashbacks and exposition right. to right. explain things, which kind of right. takes you out. Were you aware when you were watching this movie that it was directed by the guy that did Deliverance? Uh, no, I think I uh, didn't know that until maybe halfway when I looked up who the director was. Cause I'm like, who the <laughs> fuck is this guy? <laughs> Story goes, he was trying to get Lord of the Rings adapted to right. film, but he got, rejected on multiple fronts because it was going to be too expensive so right instead he went with this which was like you know tiny budget movie here 
I'm so glad that we avoided Lord of the Rings by John Borman. I just gotta say. <laughs> My God, what would that be like? Somehow, uh, like this movie, I suppose. Yeah, incomprehensible. Yeah, for sure. That that's exactly what it would be. And probably be some like Urukai that come and rape Gimli or something like that in the forest. <laughs> squeal, squeal like a troll, boy. <laughs> well, you you had asked me this question previously, like a long time ago. Is that in the second Lord of the Rings movie, the head Urukai turns to like one of his Urukai warriors and he says, like, one of the men has a halfling with them, you know, blah, 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 blah. You're to bring them to me alive and unspoiled. And you're like, what does that mean? Like, you're going to rape them? <laughs> no, no, that's not what it means. No. <laughs> there's no, there's no hobbit rape going on in the wilderness somewhere. So, but. If John Borman did it, yes, absolutely, there would be Hobbit rape. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. yeah. Can't escape one of his movies without some kind of rape in it. So, Paul, gut reaction out of 10 stars. (laughs) uh, What's your gut reaction? 10 stars. Uh, No, not not 10 stars. Give it a four. Give it a four. Drags a lot, but has some good scenes. Lots of things that are memorable about it. So, man, I can't shit on it too much. The British Oscars, right? The BAFTAs. They nominated this for Best Cinematography, and I have to straight up call bullshit on that because, like, this movie, half of it is just, like, super softening filters, and some of it was, like, so soft that I was like, what the fuck am I, what the (laughs) fuck am I watching here, bro? Like, it was, it was so soft. It's fucking awful. Look, it looks like it's filmed with with natural light, though. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that was a big deal back in the day, or at least it, it looks natural light like in a lot of it so maybe that's it and then you know they had those groundbreaking effects where they overlay some like water on top of a a woman and you're like what is she behind some water or is she (laughs) floating through i don't don't, is she jesus is it a reflection right it's just all optical printing is what that is you know it's just yeah yeah terrible but groundbreaking like i said (laughs) You know, dude, straight off the bat, the uh, the opening sequence of the guy standing there, like, talking directly to the audience as his, <laughs> as his floating head starts drifting around, like, that that was an afterthought by John Borman in order to put that, because, like, oh, yeah. people, I guess, were so confused by it that they decided to film that sequence so it could, like, sort of explain what was about to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, failed. that whole, it whole thing. I was and... still confused. It takes a long time to come around to uh, giving you the information you need to know what the fuck's going on in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, it does. He uses a lot of cheap narrative devices to withhold that information, you know, yeah. but hint that there's some twist. It's coming. And it turns out it's the Wizard of Oz. God yeah. damn it. God Does damn it. it. <laughs> Dude, but the the floating head guy is such a terrible actor, number one. His obvious head crop and floating frame is cheap, like way too cheap to be a sci-fi movie. Or the drawn-on mustache and goatee, like, what is this, a fucking student film? I mean, I've never seen that before, so, you know, give it points for originality. Sure. (laughs) It's a lot of things I haven't seen before in this movie, you know? Like a giant floating head that's vomiting guns? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get the the gun guys, and then you see the apathetics, and like Sean Connery's like waving his hand in front of one of their faces, and he's like, "Huh." And then he like just grabs her tits and starts like <laughs> getting all riled up. 
the uh, his his right. friend, whatever his name was, uh, is like, "Oh, go ahead, go ahead." Picks her up and throws her out some straw, and he starts <laughs> going at her. And then he's like, Ugh, "This is boring. She's not fighting back." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking strange movie, man. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, yeah it's gonna, you, you can't find another movie like this. You know? <laughs> Probably for good reason, there, Paul. Oh, what? Uh... <laughs> well, dude. So like. Zardoz, the floating head in the fog is cool and all, but after I saw Rick and Morty, all I can think of is, show me what you got. (laughs) got. (laughs) Well, I think they make fun of this movie more directly in the the episode where Summer and Rick go on their own adventure and they find all the the brutal guys after Morty impregnates uh, like a sex bot. Oh right! End up on the planet and it's like vomiting all of the (laughs) the sex spots out and everything like that. So they get on board and they find out it's a a matriarchal uh, planet society, society and Rick has to deal with that (laughs) in the most inappropriate ways. (laughs) So good, bro! I fucking hate the line though: "The gun is good, the penis is evil." Because like one of the main things, one of the main things that doesn't fucking work about that line is that like they say the gun is good and the penis is evil, but like Sean Connery is like trying to rape everything in sight. It's like, wait a second, is he supposed to be like a religious eunuch to this floating head or what the fuck's going on? Because like there's some real mixed information there. Well, yeah, I mean, he says he takes woman in Zardoz's name or whatever, right? right? Then you find out that the man behind the curtain has been secretly breeding superhumans, even though they're not supposed to be breeding. He's secretly breeding them to be super intelligent. So one day one of them can come and, and kill all of them, right? <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, right? <laughs> sure. Sure, why not? But, you know, a giant floating head that vomits guns and ammo isn't the worst thing in the world, I guess, but Sean Connery in a Borat leotard is up there for worst things I've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, it's stuck in my head now. (laughs) This is like three years after his last Bond movie or something like that, if I remember correctly. Hmm. And uh, what's crazy about it, I brought this up before in previous episodes, but there's like this very weird disconnect in terms of like old heartthrobs, you know, or like old tough guy actors, you know, and Sean Connery is one of them. Like when he pops the shirt off, it's like, come on, man, like I'm not going to be in, but like, <laughs> I'm not going to be influenced or scared of this guy. Like, look at him, man. Like he like permanently looks 50 in this movie and <laughs> Like, what, is this pensioner going to throw down with his fucking walker? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, it's interesting how the ideal body kind of changes. you got Sean Connery and, like, Cary right. Grant with the dad right. bod in, like, right. the 60s and stuff. And now, you know, it's like... Yeah, you got to be ripped to, you like, gotta a fucking... cut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cum gutters everywhere. <laughs> yeah. 90% cum gutters. You have to do it, like... Uh, the rock can get pectoral implants or something right, like that. Right, you know? right, Yeah, so you're fucking huge. Reminds me of that episode of Ren and Stimpy when Ren gets pectoral implants from <laughs> Stimpy's ass fat and he goes around like punching people with his tits. It's pretty entertaining. <laughs> oh, man, that show. That show. I to bring that back, dude. I mean, they're bringing back Animaniacs, so, you know, why not Ren and Stimpy? Really? Yeah. It's, like, supposed to be on, I think it's on Amazon. 
actually. I think it's coming like later on this year, maybe. I think like December, maybe, or like Thanksgiving. Huh. They're gonna have Animaniacs is coming back. But dude, I really do like the reimagining of Beethoven Seventh in the opening credits. Like, there's something about this piece in this form with Zardoz's head floating through the fog at us that is totally dope. You know, and like, I'll, <laughs> I'll give it, I'll give it that. Like, yeah, that got yeah. me. But the rest of the fucking movie is incomprehensible in my opinion, and I just, I fucking hate ninety percent of it. Come on, I'll, I'll explain the plot. <laughs> I will give props to. <laughs> Sean Connery doing that stunt where he's running and he like slides down the hill in his fucking bikini. Yeah, that and, was pretty badass. I mean, yeah, it's a badass some stunt. Serious road ash on your asshole. Oh sure, man. Sure. <laughs> I, I was worried that it was gonna wedgie so bad that it was gonna rip his asshole in half like toilet yeah. paper. But <laughs> real fact, Sean Connery. I've mentioned this before. Turned down playing Gandalf in Lord of the Rings and Morpheus in The Matrix, but he did this fucking movie. So <laughs> I just want to remind everyone about that as we move forward. So maybe he he didn't want to do those movies because he thought they'd be like this forever jaded. Maybe I mean maybe this movie <laughs> scarred him from going back to sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he did do League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, so there's that. Oof. We're going to rip on Sean's legacy. I'm sorry, Sean. Like, I don't mean to be shitting on your grave, but bro, you know, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, what the fuck happened there? But dude, you actually kind of explained the plot a little bit to me. This is the second time I've seen this movie, and I remember the first time that I saw it, I was so fucking flabbergasted by what I was watching <laughs> that I was just like, what the fuck is this? So when we were talking about movies and we were talking about where we were going to go with the podcast, I was like, Zardoz, I would be really interested to see what Paul thinks about that because <laughs> it's a fucking weird ass movie. You did explain the plot to me when I was saying earlier a lot of this didn't make sense, but you had mentioned about the naked people in the plastic bags inside of Zardoz's mouth. Yeah. I didn't get that. Even the second time, I totally didn't get that. Like, I don't know this, how the fuck you picked that up. I think John Borman is the the father of plastic bag vacuum porn <laughs> <laughs> suffocation porn or whatever it's called sure yeah sure. that shit yeah 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 yeah. where yeah, they where they put themselves yeah. in like those latex bags and vacuum the shit out of it yeah i guess it's sort of like convulse sort of like for like, yeah <laughs> it's sort of like a latex this isn't kink shaming by the way we're just <laughs> explaining but like it's it's sort of like a synthesis between like breath play and like latex play going on there I'm not exactly sure which one comes out on top necessarily. And there, there's got to be like some S&M involved in there, obviously, which is sort of part of breath play and whatnot. But yeah. first time I ever saw the plastic bag porn type shit, I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, again, not kink shaming. All right. So mm. nobody come after me about kink shaming because yeah. as long as it's safe, legal and consensual, go buck wild, <laughs> do whatever the fuck you want. Seriously. <laughs> Also, not really sure why Sean had to shoot directly into the camera for us to cut to him emerging from the grain bin, but I am glad he shoots the guy with the drawn-on mustache because I couldn't fucking take that shit anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really nice that he kind of went away in the beginning of the movie and he only yeah, we didn't have to makes deal with a him. brief reappearance later on. I mean, without the opening monologue of his head floating around, like, he would have been a nothing character, like, relegated yeah. to all the other fucking side characters. But, dude, Good. the thigh-high boots do a lot for Sean, I think. Like, why don't we <laughs> wear clothes like this again? You know? It's fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, imagine if, like, the costumes of this movie were high fashion right now. Oh, know? sure. Sure, yeah. You know, women, like, with their blouses, like, with their tits nearly hanging out, walking around. <laughs> 
dudes in their speedos and knee-high boots. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I didn't understand that in this movie was they were talking about, like, that these immortals eliminated the need to, like, procreate and presumably, like, sexual gratification and sexual, like, desire. But they all dress, like, erotically all the time. And I'm just like, what the f- I don't fucking get it, man. Like, is this is this supposed to be? Is this supposed to be like? Am I supposed to get a hard on or what? And then, <laughs> like later well, on I mean, in the movie, when you they don't show care him, about sex. Who cares, right? But then what they show wear? him like that futuristic porn. You know what I mean? It was like the the woman in the shower, and then like the mud wrestling of the naked women and shit. And it was like, why is there futuristic porn if there's no sexual desire? That's pretty 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 classy scene there. Well, so the background of that scene is gabe as he explains they don't have any concept of sexual desire anymore in their society so they see sean connery and they keep probing his mind and he keeps going back to the time that he raped a woman in the name of zardoz and they're like he really liked that didn't he (laughs) (laughs) so now they they decide to do an experiment to see what can give him an erection (laughs) so they're showing him all these things that they think are sexy and then he just like looks at the main character lady and he starts getting erection she's all right. embarrassed or right. angry or whatever <laughs> whatever the fuck that was yeah. no it, uh dude that was one of the most embarrassing scenes in cinema <laughs> history right there like sean should have been like forever fucking saddened by the fact that he was involved with that yeah he should make a meme of the face he's making when he's like Getting, getting his, hard on, <laughs> getting his little stub going. That's a good meme, actually. Uh, that would be yeah. a good reaction meme, dude. But it's been a while since anyone did zany production and costume design like this. Maybe it's time to bring back this style of filmmaking and do some weird fucking movie like this again. I think it would just like confuse people and probably anger them in some way. <laughs> I think I have an appreciation for this movie just because Borman had the balls to do it and. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this kind of movie could exist today. Most, I mean, maybe Netflix would make it. Yeah, Netflix would definitely make it. They don't give but, a shit. Uh, it, whatever <laughs> you know, it's definitely not going to be a major studio movie. And, but in a lot of ways, it reminds me of like the campy cult sci-fi movies along the lines of Omega Man or, you know, sure. Soylent Green or whatever, you know, sure, it's, yeah, uh, sure. you know, it's got the good stuff in it. <laughs> Oh man, I, I dude, I know that this is the future and all, but I'm tired of the trope in sci-fi movies set far in the future that have scenes where people are mesmerized by stupid toys and old tech, like the Jack in the Box scene where Sean plays with it and is startled by it popping up. It's like, are non sequiturs supposed to be charming, or what the fuck is the point of these scenes? Well, it's uh, explaining to you that a uh, common item that we would expect is uh, completely foreign to him because all he does is run around killing and raping. So I would know that just based on how he's <laughs> dressed. <You know? laughs> Goddamn. Uh, dude, one thing I do like about this movie is I do like the freedom of nudity in this movie, not just because I am a male, but because I think free the nipple should be a widely accepted thing. Like, if women want to rip their nipples out, fuck it, seriously. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't give a shit what any, like, fucking evangelical community thinks about that sort of thing. Like, it's a fucking thing, bro. Like, I can show my nipple. No problem in any public sense. And nobody's fucking offended I don't know. by it. I don't know if you whipped it out right now if I would feel comfortable with that, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's different when it's a one-on-one interaction there paul you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> this was filmed in like 1970s ireland you know during right. the height of the ira and everything like that they actually had a lot of trouble finding people to show their nipples and uh, really getting really offended by that whole whole thing i did not know that yeah, yeah, yeah. apparently catholics in ireland are prudes too absolutely yeah, yeah <laughs> i don't doubt that at all i don't give a shit about the drink necessarily they'll just go after the drink no problem but okay okay all right all right <laughs> <laughs> it's fine the irish are white it, they're fair game it's all good. yeah obviously <laughs> I am glad, though, that we moved past some of this editing popular in the 1970s, namely the editing used to portray Charlotte Rampling widening her eyes and blinding Sean Connery. We don't see any light like emanating from her, and in the reversal, Sean doesn't have a ton of light on him. Besides, he could have still pulled the trigger if he was startled, given he's a trigger-happy codpiece-wearing weirdo. But besides the fact, Charlotte opens her eyes wider to hypnotize Sean to show her how he came to be in the vortex only to lead to a series of replays of rapes he performed on the beach (laughs) but the poor editing makes the scene feel overplayed and further reinforcing this movie's zaniness trying to be taken seriously i'm really not sure if this movie was meant to be taken seriously i i don't know i I don't know john borman said that he was so drugged up at the time that he was filming it that he hardly remembers anything Oh, no doubt, dude. No (laughs) doubt. Speaking of which, I mean, Sean Sean has always kind of struck me as sort of like a prude in a way. Like, do you think that he would be a guy that would like drop acid? I don't I don't feel like it. I don't think acid would be his thing. He'd be more of a cocaine and alcohol type guy. But uh, But no, like hallucinogenics like mushrooms or anything. I mean, he was around in the 60s and 70s. So anything goes back then. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just take him as being sort of like a prude, bro. That's what, that's the way he, he kind of comes yeah. off to me. Living in a castle in the Scottish Highlands. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Not a place I mean, you want to drop dude, acid. If I, <laughs> uh, fuck, yeah, dude. I would be dropping acid every day if I lived in a fucking <laughs> Scottish castle in the Highlands. Fuck it. I'd be smoking <laughs> DMT, bro. Like, I would just be doing whatever I could. <laughs> But as they play back Sean's memory like a TiVo, Sean lays back on a stone table and holds his head over the side as we see a very plastic-looking fetus in a Ziploc bag hanging outside of some glass which has nudes inexplicably on it. Like, what the fuck is going on inside of this place, man? What do they call it again? That that the vortex. The No, it's not the vortex. The tabernacle. The tabernacle. That's it. They're inside of the tabernacle. But I know that this yeah. movie is trying really hard to be original, but even a hint of a story would be helpful for me to tell what the fuck is happening <laughs> at this point in the movie. But, you know, when, when the leaders of the Vortex are talking about analyzing Sean the animal, some women keep touching Sean's chest hair, and I can't help but think, Sean is the most unattractive man in the room, and he looks like he's already 50. Then Sean licks the blonde dude's hand just because this movie has to be that much weirder. And they never come back to that. What the hell was that? Like, if he's a barbarian, he licks things to, like, taste them or smell them or whatever. Like, only doing it once, it's just like, what the fuck is... Okay, whatever. In his culture, it's a a sign of submission or something like that, you know? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean... You lick their tasty hand taint off their fingers or something. <laughs> Gotta taste it, man. Gotta taste it. 
But dude, blonde dude whips Sean on the back and asks about where Arthur is. Like, okay, so I'm sorry. At this point, I'm just like, who the fuck is Arthur again? Like, is is he the guy with the mustache? I can't remember who the fuck Arthur is. Yeah, they were saying that Arthur controlled the the Zardoz head, so he's the one who's he's the floating head in the beginning, and then he shot shot, uh, Sean Connery. Shot, yeah. The whole time they're trying to figure out what Sean Connery did to him, if he's alive or, or dead or what. Well, they know right. he's dead because he's like he's the the plastic fetus that they're regrowing, and that's why he comes. Oh, back right, yeah, they do. Okay, yeah, all right. So that yeah. that puzzle piece just fell into place. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but dude, uh, the blonde dude says, "Quote: Ever heard the phrase if looks could kill? Well, here they can." As Sean reacts very poorly to this actor <laughs> trying to be intimidating, like this this is some of the worst like acting in the movie right here. It's like you're looking at it. It's like, oh my god, Sean! Like, please just stop, bro. Like, I don't, I don't know what they're paying you, but you gotta, you gotta get a better agent, bro. <laughs> I like the later scene where Sean Connery is fighting off Consuela and her, her psychic attack or whatever. Right. But then suddenly he's like wandering around, and off camera they're like, he's blind or something. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing they didn't have that in the film, and people are like, what the fuck just happened? But then Sean Connery is like wandering around like this room full of wool yarn and stuff and he's like walking into it they're like he's out of control (laughs) he's running on a rampage and he's just kind of like feeling his way around around. yeah drifting around and they're like oh my god he's out of control it's pretty good yeah. yeah but if they view sean as an animal why do they lead him past their lunch table and all the rest of the rituals? Like, seems like a lot of trust for an animal they saw killing and raping humanoids like them. Like, it's just okay for them to bring him around, but whatever. I mean, he's like a source of entertainment. Their lives yeah, they, are incredibly boring. They don't even have, like, a fucking collar around him or anything like that. Like, this yeah. is some Planet of the Apes type shit, you know? Like, no, fucking. I mean, anytime he gets out of line, they can just psychic attack him Psyche, and yeah. make him That's shit true. his pants or something like that why didn't know. they do that man if he just like mm. fired brown mist <laughs> outside of his diaper then for the rest of the movie for continuity's sake he has to have a brown splatter on his oh my god <laughs> god damn it i'm gonna go back and digitally edit this movie so that happens <laughs> But dude, Sean walks into their bread making hut and blonde dude starts speaking in an unintelligible way as the town folks clap and laugh. But this just distances the audience in an already confusing and idiotic movie. Like and they never come back to that and it's the only time that he does it. So You know you know it's funny. When I started watching the movie, it has the opening scene and it's all in like Italian, I think. But at the time I was like, is this some weird fake sci fi language? that they're speaking or what no and there's, no the italian i watched like all the way through the movie until sean connery like shoots the dude and i'm like you know maybe there's a different audio track that i'm supposed to be listening <laughs> to <laughs> and then i went back and watched it all in english but <laughs> oh my god but how fucking awful is the guy george accused of psychic crimes as he jeers at the random woman in the courtyard like what the fuck is going on here and like he's just a terrible terrible actor (laughs) but dude sean pulls a cart as they deliver bread to the shunned people in the glass carousel and blonde dude just throws bread and they run out and they never come back to this like they do come back (laughs) to the carousel obviously 
But he runs in and like the green bread is a thing for a second. And like I thought when he said that he was going to go deliver bread or whatever the fuck that they said that it was going to be a longer scene. But they literally it's like a wide shot where like Sean runs in and like spins around with the fucking <laughs> rickshaw and runs out and he like throws bread over his shoulder. And that's the end of the fucking scene. And I'm like, what? Like what? <laughs> but dude, speaking yeah. of throwing bread. This leads me to my sandwich beef of the week. Oh, shit. I want to talk about the importance of bread, okay? I know it's not necessarily in vogue due to the gluten-free and no-carb diets, but bread is fucking amazing, okay? It's crunchy on the outside. It's got a chewy, pillowy inside. Not to mention that savory satisfaction that comes from the tasty grains that is when you get good bread right like that's very obvious Uh, good bread but this rant isn't going to be directed at one deli in particular but it's more so for all of the delis so specifically i want to rant and talk about the role and the hero available in every deli in new york right some places have great bread while others have the worst that resembles soft pieces of styrofoam that are tasteless as fuck like what bothers me the most dude is that in every deli in new york they have regular loaves of bread as well right like rye whole wheat texas toast style some have challah bread challah bread whatever Not to mention the staples of regular wheat and white bread. But to have so many different types that are all good and a cheap out on the most basic styles that you sell the most of, the aforementioned Roland Hero, you're doing a huge disservice to most of the fucking community by serving bread that is so lacking in cross-sectional integrity that one has to ask, how is it possible that one can make bread from the bubbles from a children's bath. You know what I mean? It's like there's nothing there. But you take a roll, you take a roll from a deli and you can smash it paper thin by damn near looking at the thing. Like it just fucking deflates as you look at it. It's fucking awful. It's bland, yeah. it smells like nothing, and it has no discernible crunch or chew to it, even if you get it toasted. Like how the fuck Does the gastro mega center of the world offer so many of the world's best and most renowned restaurants and cuisine, but can roundly fuck up a basic thing like while goddamn slaying the bagel game everywhere is just beyond me, bro. Like they fucking kill the bagel game in New York. Everywhere you go, you can get a good bagel. It doesn't matter. I don't give a shit. New Yorkers, if you're listening, okay, I don't give a (laughs) shit what you think that one bagel is shitty or whatever. If you go outside of New York for even one day and you get a bagel, (laughs) you will know that even the shittiest bagel that you can find in New York is heads and tails above any other bagel in any other state, like flat out. But New York City, I fall in love with you more every year and made the commitment of buying a house within your borough of Brooklyn. But you got to do better, man. The fact that the fish town fuck faces in Philly can outbred you is a culinary tragedy, bro. New York, I need you to do better. Until then, I'm going to keep forming my granular map of the city based on food, and my only hope is one day the bread game will meet with your pizza game. Oh man, I gotta tell you, there's this place out in rural Washington, Skagit County, and it's called okay. The Bread Farm. You know what they grow there? 
they grow bread. They grow no, bread. Then. Like they plant a <laughs> loaf of bread and it fucking grows. Well, that's what I'm assuming they do because it's called a bread oh, okay. farm. But right, obviously. But goddamn, yeah. it's some good ass bread. Like uh <laughs> You got some sourdough there. You can see all the people like in the back. Oh, dude, I sourdough like is like the shit, man. I love oh, sourdough. Yeah, yeah, sourdough yeah, is no. awesome. Sourdough, I love sourdough just because you. It's never the same wherever you get it. It's always oh, fuck different, no, dude. Fuck no. I mean, that's the whole thing with like bacteria and uh, fermentation and shit. You know, like no matter where you go, your, it's gonna be different. Get your yeast. Yeah. Yep. All right. Anyways, that was my plug for the bread farm. <laughs> Side note. All right. We're so in the middle of fuck nowhere, Washington. This this is me being typical, okay? And I apologize in advance to any people in San Francisco that are listening. But I like Boudin Bakery, okay? Like Boudin Bakery on the wharf and like their fucking sourdough bread, dude. It's dope, man. I don't give a shit. If it's tourist trap, like they got good <laughs> bread, man. Their sourdough is awesome. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. I love their sourdough with uh, the clam chowder inside. Yeah, man, dude. Oh my it's god, like that's the 12, best. Twelve thousand calories. In oh that fuck thing, yeah, dude. It's, it's good. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> and then you get. I mean, just getting to eat that sourdough bowl that's like soaked in fucking clam chowder is. Oh god, that's so good, dude. Fuck yeah, yeah. love that shit. <laughs> Anyway, dude, as this movie moves on, as they vote on whether George, the guy accused of the bad aura, like Sean gropes a woman, like you said, who's standing in the barn known as an apathetic and takes her to rape her, but then stops because she isn't fighting back. Yes, you heard that correctly the second time as well. This movie is the movie that Sean Connery fucking signed up to do, bro. All right. I don't know what the hell's. I mean. Sean Connery has been in a lot of movies that are like blatantly like anti-feminist or like, you know, anti-woman in general. I mean, the Bond movies suffer from it, but like this is pretty fucking shocking even for Sean Connery. It's like, <laughs> dude, god damn it. Like, what? who who said that this was okay? Like, I, I, I want to know for real. Like, who wrote this on a piece of paper and everybody standing on set was like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's good. Yeah, let's fucking shoot it. Yeah. You know, like, come on, bro. But. This scene has a funny moment, though, when Sean throws the apathetic woman as if he is actually strong. And, of course, she falls like a fucking ragdoll, and it's terrible, <laughs> and it's hilarious. Like, just that moment where he, like, chucks her like a bag of potatoes. <laughs> I, th I yeah, thought it was that pretty good. Laughing. That had me laughing. Yeah. I don't think that that was the point, though, is to make you laugh. I think you were supposed to be wowed. How buff Sean Connery was, or something. <laughs> but dude, the uh, the powers that be announced that the decision on George for his negative aura, and that they say that his punishment will be that he will be aged five years. But given that previously they speak of how they have been alive for hundreds of years and they're fucking immortal, and that they can't kill themselves because the council just rebuilds them, as was the case with the blonde dude. What is the threat of this sentence? Like, I read a review that was talking about how, like, you know, when they get aged, they, they might age enough that they end up with the renegades and that, like, glass carousel thing. Yeah, yeah. But that's not a... I mean, all right. So, the, the renegades <laughs> so seem to have a lot more, you know, going on there than just the senility, you know? Like, it seemed like there was yeah. a lot more that put them there. So, aging somebody five years, especially if you're immortal... Like, come on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, would you rather live 500 years with a bunch of arthritis and having to take your metal musil every day or would you rather be you know 21 
and you know tearing it up all the time yeah so that's <laughs> that's the threat right they age you into this like shitty condition and your body is just fucked up what's the fucking shift though between like young and virile and like fucking old and senile and arthritic you know what i mean like they're immortal for christ's sake like <laughs> what what's the shift like you got to be what 500 600 or something like that and then they're like there's like bot relative body age and then there's actual time age and they're mortal and time age has no effect on them but their bodies start out at whatever time that they were brought into this immortality with the tabernacle the the crystal thing or whatever the fuck i don't know <laughs> but uh, and uh they stay that age but as punishment they get aged up and so then their body is permanently at like some shitty age and i guess it's irreversible you know they can't unage them or something <laughs> but they're immortal bro that's my point right. is that there's no end time they say that they can't right. fucking die and like there's right. no so then like being aged up to 90 that means you're gonna be like laying in bed shitting in a colostomy bag your whole eternity versus but you, you know you get my and... point though because blonde dude says that he's like a couple hundred years old and like i guess in terms of relativity they could shift your body into a 90 year old that you're actually like 500 or whatever the fuck but again like immortality you know what i mean and like i don't <laughs> so get in it this movie it just means you can't die right and you don't age get... naturally but they can make you age but they can make you age so they can make you into an old person <laughs> But you're yeah. just born with like pubic hair and like in your 20s or something. I don't know. They didn't explain that. I think what happens is they didn't have any children. Wait, no. Someone said that they had a couple people were born into the vortex or some shit. I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Does it make sense? Why is like Sean Connery like laying in a plastic bag and they're like <laughs> punching him and, <laughs> and, he, and it's somehow a miracle that he like punches through the plastic uh, bag yeah mm. i didn't get that they never <laughs> talked about that properly and like when they celebrate that moment i was like wait what <laughs> like how, how like he, uh, is there a bar of like fucking you know amazingness so low that him <laughs> fisting a plastic membrane is like enough that that's okay apparently so maybe it's super vortex plastic or something. i mean they said it was indestructible that was what they said just before he ripped through and i was like come on like it's not fucking <laughs> yeah. blow up in the previous scene you know what i'm saying like, yeah, yeah it's pretty funny all this leads us to the sex education scene okay and this leads me to dumb fuck moment number one <laughs> oh. it seems stupid that people who eliminated the need to procreate and can read people's brains as well as they're rebuilding their body and they don't know how an erection happens like that fucking confuses me but it also seems stupid that in a society devoid of sexuality again these people dress so provocatively so they dress so provocatively and they know everything about the human body but they don't know how an erection happens and i'm like an erection <laughs> is like the simplest fucking thing in terms of human sexuality that you can explain like it's a fucking swelling of a gland. A bunch of fucking blood rushes down there. That's why they say you only have enough blood in order to run one head at a time. And you definitely <laughs> should not think of the like what you're doing with the second one running. You know what I mean? You should always <laughs> run with the first one running. Get the blood back up to your head and think with mm -hmm. your fucking head on your shoulders, not the one below your belt loop. But besides the fact, 
And but what's the most cringeworthy thing is that the trading of looks between Consuela giving the presentation and Sean and both of them looking at his groin. This moment <laughs> is one of the worst in film history. <laughs> like flat out. <laughs> but like what are the rules in this movie, dude? Like I, I don't fucking understand what the rules are in this world. But Charlotte later on she shows a bunch of images to Sean of jellyfish and microscopic creatures and says this is your genetic cortex as if the audience is so stupid as to not know what these images are like that really fucking bothered me i'm like that's not what a our motherfucker like mapping the human genome it doesn't look like that like what the fuck is going on and we knew that shit back in the 70s you know what i mean when this movie was being made this is some like cheap hack pretending that he was you know fucking clever in order to make these abstracted images that people may not catch on to. And it's fucking hack-worthy, man. Bullshit. You know what? I didn't write down the hack attack this week, but that's the fucking hack attack right there. <laughs> also, long overdue note, why are there no black people in this movie? Well, the vortex starts as a bunch of rich, privileged people who want to shut themselves off from society. So oh, well, you think there's going to be any black people there? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> To, nope. to be clear, Paul is being facetious and like playing the devil's advocate in terms of like white savior bullshit ridiculousness from Hollywood and movie going. And he's not <laughs> saying that there's no such thing as a rich black person. So get the fuck off of his jock already. Don't tweet. <laughs> don't say some shit. Just fucking stand down. I'm just saying the people in this that make up the Eternals in the Vortex started out as go. awful people. There, there you, you go. go. All there right, you there go. you go. All right. So, so they were racist and they didn't let angry, any black people in. If you're angry, they sealed calm them off down. behind an invisible force field wall that Sean right. Connery kind of humps and max on at some point in the movie. <laughs> so. I'll, I'll get to that in a second because that's okay. something else. It's fucking strange. But, uh, uh, dude, upon voting on Sean's fate at the round glass table, the white people point toward the blonde dude and shake their hands to make blondie go to the second level and his performance is obscenely <laughs> terrible as is the performance of everyone involved here like everyone around the table like shaking their hands and shit and <laughs> i thought i thought the second level when they were talking about it they had mentioned it previously and i thought that it had something to do with like meditation i remember that they had mentioned something about meditation or some shit like that but I, I was confused by that. I was like, but then all of a sudden he's fucking dead. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, what are the fucking rules here, man? Like, what what is going on? I think the second level is like second level of consciousness where they can all communicate with each other psychically or where they attack each other. But they say they want to put him in the second level is what I'm saying. Oh, is that, I don't know. Fuck, and then he I'm dies. trying to explain this, yeah, but that's no, what I'm, I'm trying. doing a good job. All right, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. This movie doesn't have rules, but dude, just think of it Sean, as the the second plane. There you sure. go. Sure. Look, more yeah. tits are out and scream oh, behind yeah. me. <laughs> but dude, <laughs> Sean Connery pressing his face against the cursory shield of the vortex when he tries to escape is classic. Like this is what Bond <laughs> does when he isn't doing Bond. People watch this fucking movie just for that plain <laughs> fact, bro. This is what he does when he's not doing Bond movies. Just keep that in mind. But dude, Sean Sean goes to find Blondie with the other undesirables and gets attacked in a zombie-like horde. But the direction, editing, and cinematography are all so amateur in that moment when he's in the fucking glass carousel and they're jumping all over him. I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah. Like, okay, so 
a lot of this movie, I, I'll, I'll give it to it. You know, like it's trying to be inventive. It's trying to be crazy or whatever, or even zany or whatever the fuck you want to say. But that moment in particular, it was like they gave it to the fucking splinter unit with like no money. And they're just like, <laughs> yeah, shoot the scene. And they just had all these extras like clamoring all over them, which was fucking bizarre. But regardless, dude, when when Sean recounts how he lost his innocence to Charlotte, he shoots a guy through a window, right? Like he looks up at that just before he talks about going to the library, he sees that face in the window and he shoots yeah. at the face in the window. He shoots the guy through the window, but the special effect of the window shattering is well behind the gun firing. And the delay is like so <laughs> obvious. Like, ugh, bad filmmaking. Yeah, they only had one take because they could yeah. only afford one pane of glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gets led into a library and he says he had never seen a book before in his life. And he just read without any effort. Like he learns his ABCs and then all of a sudden it just comes easily to him and he can read everything in the library because, yeah, well, sure, why not? I mean, it was a montage, so to speak. And also he's like some superhuman as they later reveal. Sean is an immortal. And when you see him walk into the library is the same age as when he walks out of the library. So am I to believe that he like <laughs> shifted from learning his ABCs and these fucking Roman characters that he had never seen before and nobody actually teaching him to reading like Proust in like a month? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, at least tell me that he got zapped by some, like, divine <laughs> ray or some shit or whatever. Like, give me some bullshit that I can latch on to because, like, him just saying it came easily to him, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, plot device. Ha-ha, plot device. <laughs> I mean, there is the, like, later scenes where they're passing all their society's knowledge to him through some kind of matrix right. upload process so maybe they the the guy used the tabernacle to just like teach him instantly to read or some shit i don't know <laughs> there you go that explains uh, it all i i fine fine <laughs> fine i'm gonna move on but the book that changed everything for him just happens to be revealed and it's the name of the movie the wizard of oz and they fucking clap out the the and the of and it's like oh zardoz oh man Fuck you. It takes that. like all the way until 90% of the movie's over for them to finally reveal that it was the Wizard of Oz that ended his innocence. Yeah, that, but inevitably he like wandered across like fucking Alice in Wonderland or something and like that <laughs> didn't fucking do it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Do you think like do you think that books like Brave New World exist in this universe, <laughs> or he just like missed that whole thing? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's a real question. <laughs> I feel like those books would be in there. Doesn't really say when society ended and the the right. Eternals like hid away in there. I mean, but it does say that this thing. is like the year twenty two ninety four or whatever, which is like. You know, there's got to be a copy of fucking Brave New World sitting around somewhere. Yeah. Side note, okay, so everybody always talks about fucking 1984, right? When they talk about, like, post-apocalyptic Big Brother type shit, right? Yeah. But I, I would say at least six or seven out of every ten people that I mention Brave New World to have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, they should get that fucking... uh... Get that book, read that. It blows my mind, man. Like, I thought that that was like a fucking sort of semi pairing that like everybody knew about 1984 and 
you know, yeah. Brave New World. I thought that was just a thing that everybody knew about those two books, even if they don't know anything else about like fucking social commentary, like type shit like those books. I was just confused. Like every single time somebody tells me like, what, what's, what's Brave New World? I'm like, are you f like, what the f <laughs> Soylent Green is you know people, man. <laughs> No, no. I had to read Brave New World when I was uh, in high school. Yeah, so that was one of the few books that I actually got into that we were forced to read. So yeah, uh, I dig it. I, I actually like it more some... than 1984, and I think that that's a controversial opinion in some way. Yeah. So one more side note, and I'll get back to this movie. But there is a soy substitute nutritional <laughs> drink, right? Called yeah. Soylent. Have I told you about this? Yeah. And they yeah, have like multiple it. different colors and they got like soy red and soy yellow <laughs> and blah, 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 blah. And the name of the brand is Soylent, S-O-Y-L-E-N-T. And they don't have Soylent green and it pisses me off because I'm like, dude, huge marketing <laughs> fucking thing that you just fucking skipped over. I think they're just saving up to release Soylent green when shit really hits the fan. <laughs> and then you're like, I know it. I know it. I knew it. This You're like, whole well, even if it's people, it's probably better than the other shit that they're making food out of right now. So <laughs> fuck. fucking protein blocks. <laughs> yeah, it's like some fucking weird alternate universe where like uh, snow piercers a thing and they're grinding roaches into fucking protein. <laughs> oh, man. So Sean being blinded and stumbling into the looms, like Paul said, is only topped by the suffering people outside of the Oasis banging their clubs on the invisible wall, <laughs> pantomiming like morons. Like you can see that they're clearly missing the same spot every fucking take. It's like, wait a second. But the, the townspeople attack Sean and try to kill him, right? And then they mumble how the bubble they have him in is indestructible only for Sean to rip through it while fisting it, then throwing flour as a distraction for him to make <laughs> his head away. Yeah, the flour was pretty funny. It just fucking hilarious. He just grabs a handful of flour and throws it at the crowd of people, and they're like, oh, my God, I, I can't, can't see. <laughs> but Sean hides with the apathetics, and they start uh, swapping spit and kissing each other and then start being energized by Sean's life force or some shit. Like, whatever the fuck is going on in that scene. I actually, I, I, I even backed it up because I was like, did I miss something? Like, all of a sudden, somebody's got their finger in his mouth. And they're, like, <laughs> eating his spit. And then they start kissing each other. And But, no, I didn't miss anything. I backed up. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's just he's looking and he turns around and somebody's got their finger in his mouth. And I'm like, what the? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. Like, if, if I turned around and somebody's <laughs> finger was in my mouth, I would be, like, just punching yeah. motherfuckers transmission uh, of uh, a virus there you know it's, oh sure got the rona yeah. now post corona bro like yeah. dude all right so like this is a side problem but like <laughs> every movie post corona that i see i keep looking at it and like i'm like where's their mask like what the f and then i have to remind <laughs> myself like this is obviously yeah. not the age of corona imagine if all movies like the actors had to wear masks and they're trying to emote solely with their eyes and you're like what the fuck did he say what the only two people that would make it in that realm is tom hardy and uh benicio del toro <laughs> yeah tom hardy and benicio del toro are the only ones that could survive post mask covid <laughs> because they do so much with their eyes but this people leads us to dumb fuck moment number two okay Sean Connery in a wedding dress after waking up <laughs> past orgy. Just, yeah, 
Enough said. That's the dumb fuck <laughs> moment number two is seeing him in a fucking wedding dress. The tides have turned, Mr. Oh, Zed. The tides oh, have turned. Oh, man. Dude, it's so sad to see him in there. Like, oh, my God. But so when when May says to Sean, quote, we will take your seed, does that mean that they will take his sperm or what the fuck is happening during all these projections on people and the camera pans around? Like, it looks cool. I'm not going to debate that it doesn't look cool, like the art being projected on people and the math equations and shit. It looks cool. But, like, are they raping him? Is that what's going on? They're, like, taking his sperm? What the hell is going on in that scene? My interpretation is they are implanting him with knowledge and taking his sperm for whatever yeah, reason. That's it, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think that that makes more sense because then she says, now you know that all we know. But that can't possibly be more than what he read in every book in the library, <laughs> as he said earlier, right? Like, what are the fucking rules in this movie again, man? Well, see, they talk about how at first when they sealed themselves off, they were very into science and they did all kinds of more research to advance science. Sure. They even built a spaceship, which was the uh, the giant head thing. But I guess they say that turns out to be a dead end. And so the Zardos head is actually just a spaceship that they get bored with and fly around like a so wait who's <laughs> george then was george one of the immortals that took the zardoz head and started breeding people in the head george he's the fake mustache guy yeah yeah, yeah. the sharpie mustache yeah, yeah yeah he's uh he's the one who they designated to maintain the brutal population by you know sending off the the exterminators to kill everyone but he <laughs> gets bored and starts this whole breeding program because his plan is to breed someone who's smart enough and strong enough to come into the vortex and kill someone even if it takes a bunch of generations so what is he doing to breed people is he like raping random uh, women and then i i don't know selective breeding he's picking the strongest of the exterminators or something i don't know they don't explain it i don't think it needs men though you know like there aren't any women in the exterminator yeah yeah i don't know maybe he's doing genetic experiments on the side like growing humans (laughs) i don't know yeah growing babies in the tabernacle (laughs) right whatever he has he's had a long time to like get his plan to come to fruition with sean connery as the the super smart dude right so dude i i lied (laughs) there is actually a hack attack of the week that i wrote down this is my second hack attack of the week okay so god sean connery leaps into frame and yells kill the tabernacle and runs around shooting into the glass walls covered in nudes (laughs) like this scene is plagued by bad lighting (laughs) poor camera work and sean's worst acting in the movie like seriously <laughs> seriously how did this scene make the edit man uh, and it doesn't have any like purpose whatsoever because they say like the tabernacle can't be destroyed like that and then they just leave it and the scene could have been cut it never should have existed in the first place but beyond the fact well doesn't he like shoot a reflection of himself at some point and that somehow magically kills the tabernacle i don't remember destroys the vortex that's the the incident that i remember i thought the vortex got destroyed because he learned about the crystal and like the scene right behind us right now when he's talking to the crystal 
and he realizes right. the crystal is the vortex of the tabernacle or whatever the fuck. But then he gets sucked into the crystal and he's shooting at mirrors the whole time. So that is the tabernacle then. Yeah, but the scene goes on for like 20 minutes with him just running around confused with reflections and random shit. Right. And then and finally he shoots shit. reflection of himself and right. that blows up the tabernacle somehow. I don't know sure. what the fuck happened. And wait, is that happened. is that when the flames shoot out of the fucking building and it like lights the plastic thing on fire? Yeah, 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 I think so. Okay. <laughs> All right. So yeah, maybe maybe you're right then. <laughs> but dude, when when Sean Connery is talking to the crystal, am I supposed to be high while watching this? Like I wonder if this movie yeah, would make more sense if I had eaten some mushrooms prior to watching this movie. <laughs> I really do. I mean, I don't mean to keep advocating for mushroom usage, but like come on. You know, like between this and cats, like yeah, yeah, some, well. somebody's gotta eat some mushrooms and watch this shit and tell me if it makes any <laughs> more difference. If it makes any more sense. But especially given the following scene of Sean stumbling around in the crystal talking to the tabernacle, like it's a hall of mirrors that has projections everywhere with Sean yelling out tabernacle and stumbling around for far too long. Like, I guess that that would make more sense. You know what, though? Like, all right, so I'm going to denigrate a movie that I actually like that you don't like. Okay, so like this this moment with the hall of mirrors and shit reminded me of the moment in the last jedi when ray ends up in like the fucking hole or whatever oh, like yeah, with the jedi yeah. books it reminded me of that it, except yeah. you know of course jedi didn't suck but you know I mean, <laughs> there's that difference <laughs> i thought that was a cool scene in uh yeah. last jedi even though yeah, it didn't true. really make any sense but yeah well, that's cool that's like that's your opinion man <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's just like five, ten straight minutes of Sean Connery running around, stumbling around, bunch <laughs> of projections on screens, and yeah, it's cool yeah. set work. I'll give him that. You know, like uh, I dig that. <laughs> so there is that. Yeah, but. no, they they built this set, and they're like, all right, we got to stretch this shit out because the yeah. movie's only like sixty minutes right now. And Sean <laughs> and Sean can't run. Side note, he can't run. It's very obvious that this man does not run on a regular basis because when he's running around it's like, Jesus man, like did you take your Geritol this morning? Because like fuck man, you're gonna trip and fall and break a hip. <laughs> but dude, what significance does the death of the old man by talking to Sean serve? Okay, is it because this is such a fucking chore that you might die if you're talking to Sean about this movie or what it means. I don't get it. Wait, like, wait, which part are you talking about now? The dude that's in the fucking glass carousel that's lying in the bed that says that he wants to die. Like, Sean yeah. goes back to him and they're talking. And as he's talking, the guy is, like, released into the sweet, like, fucking embrace of death or whatever. What the hell is going on in that scene? I didn't know he died. I thought he just kind of passed out because he's so old and <laughs> age-punished or whatever. I don't know. Maybe he did die. Maybe he didn't die. I mean, he, it looks like he died, though, because everybody's, like, shocked because it's, like, the first death. You know what I mean? Huh. I thought that was yeah, the whole point. Maybe I just blanked point. that out. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that was the whole point of everything that they're trying to achieve so uh -oh. yeah exactly they just want to die but these guys are like the me seeks in rick and morty you know they're like, i just want to die every moment of existence is pain <laughs> existence is pain to a me seeks all i want to do is die 
But dude, Sean throughout this entire movie has never reloaded his gun. And he shot a couple hundred bullets at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. I don't get it. Just in this previous scene, if you were watching, like he shoots toward the tabernacle mirror. And then when he pulls the gun back to himself, he fucking holds the barrel. And then he goes back out and he shoots again. And then he holds the barrel. And I'm like, is he holstering it in his hand? Is that what's going on? Let's say it's a Webley automatic revolver. Which right. uses a recoil operation system. So he's probably having to cock it by hand because it had blanks in it and it didn't have enough force from each fire. I mean, it's a revolver, thing. right? So it's a revolver, but it, it uses a, the recoil from, from the bullet to push back the entire barrel and that cocks the pin and uh, moves the, the like double cylinder. action. Slide and so like it, yeah. it locks the fucking hammer yeah. and then rotates. So it's, yeah, it's a semi-automatic pistol, and so I don't think I I'm guessing knew that about that weapon. Yeah, cool. Yeah. But <laughs> I think they had blanks, and so the blanks didn't have enough force to actually like fully cock the gun. So he was grabbing it by the barrel and pushing it back to cock it again. Right. That would be my guess because I don't know what else when you do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I know that these immortals are bored and whatnot, but the goal of this immortal society is to die. Like Sean kills that chick by shooting her in the throat and then his barbarians show up and kill everyone. Like I know that he had had that little scene where he was saying that like there was a break in the vortex or whatever the fuck and that they could come through that break in the vortex in order to fucking kill a bunch of people. But if he found the break in the vortex, did he really want to kill everybody or why didn't he just want to like jet? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure he wanted to kill everyone because he was pissed off for the, the betrayal of, uh, you know, them making him take slaves and grow grain and all this stuff. And he's like, this is sure. bullshit. I'm not a farmer. I just want to kill and rape. Kill the bourgeoisie. Yeah, yeah. So he's pissed off at them for, and, you know, that whole thing about tricking him into thinking there's a god that's giving them right. guns and telling him to go kill everyone. Yeah, there's that whole thing. <laughs> So this is this is the story of a Marxist, you know, ideal, right? Like the Communist Manifesto manifested in this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. There's a very distinct classes of people, and uh, you know, it's always the wealthy ones that are fucking with the, the average right. Joe guy. So sure, yeah, absolutely. Pretty... But they didn't. They didn't have a Tony Tony tone like mega suit <laughs> suit up slash kill everybody <laughs> in like Rick and Morty with the fucking you know purging uh, episode. Uh, classic but dude sean runs off with charlotte and they get pregnant raise their son age and die right like <laughs> that's the way that this movie ends after all this shit like after all this he does that like that's how this movie ends and like yeah. how does that how does that like give him what he wants or like i guess he escapes the society and maybe that's the reward but I don't know. What the fuck is going on there? Like, it's just, that scene just kind of shows up and then it disappears and then they roll credits. And I'm like, he gets to use his penis and for what it's for. Even though Zardoz told him. He already did it. He already did it before. There's there's a funny anecdote about that scene. Apparently, Sean Connery absolutely hated makeup. Uh And so that scene required him to get into like eight or nine different sets of makeup for them to film it. And so they filmed it the first time, took like a day or whatever of him sitting there, you know, getting his makeup done for hours on end. And it looked like shit. 
So they're like, ah, sorry, Sean, we got to refilm this. And so they go back to refilm it. Again, like another day of sitting there and right at the end, the fucking camera operator accidentally opened the film canister and overexposed all the film that they had just done. Yeah, and so fucking Sean Connery like tried to kill him, had to be <laughs> held back by four or three or four members of the crew. And then they had to go do it again. <laughs> so that's why I look so pissed off in that whole whole thing. Okay. I mean, that so. makes sense. I get that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but dude, you yeah. know, like they have the, uh, the age progression scene and then like, it rolls credits and that's the end. And it's like, that's the end? Like, Sean and Charlotte in bad makeup with crossfades with Beethoven 7th playing? Like, what the fuck did I just watch? I got to watch the miracle of life and death and mortality. I don't, I don't understand how this movie has, like, a small, like, cult following. Like, there's a legitimate amount of people in the world that actually like watching this fucking thing. And, like, I think if you took this and you edited it down to, like, a 15-minute short, it would be interesting. But in its current form, it's just, like, it's overly long and played yeah, out. Sure. And by the time that you get to the end of it, it's like, Jesus, I had to endure a lot of bad shit in order <laughs> to get to this. Yeah, you can think of it as a high-concept sci-fi movie. Uh, it's kind of slow. But it's got yeah. some tits in it, at least. So. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people a... die, too. I mean, that's kind of cool. Oh. Yeah, and there's a bunch right of at the end, all the, all the exterminators come into the vortex and just start executing people. And they're all, <laughs> you know, hugging each other. Like, oh, thank God. Shoot me in the face. Shall, <laughs> shall you shoot me first? Or shall I shoot myself first? I don't know. <laughs> and then, yeah, they're just all dying in comical ways. I guess it's true. I guess it's true. I mean, I, I liked how much how many tits were in this movie. That I was entertained by at least. So there's that. But this movie it comes off as feeling like it really wants to be like the Wicker Man from the year before, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So, Paul, did you have anything else to say about this movie? No, just wondering why all the people are all the the brutals outside in the post apocalyptic world are all wearing suit jackets while they're running <laughs> from the, from the dudes. And yeah, now there's some cool stunts in this movie. Surprisingly, like like what? Well, when Sean Connery or a stunt double, I can't tell which one it is. Like slides he runs, down slides down the hill, like yeah, falls, dragon. That's pretty intense. But then there's also <laughs> like flashback, like. Uh, Sean Connery and his dudes are on horses, but this dude like just jumps under the hooves of the horse and oh, yeah, somehow miraculously yeah. comes out without being crushed. Trampled, yeah. Which yeah, that was a pretty intense stunt. Like Yeah, it's a good one. Fucking don't do that kind of shit these <laughs> days. That's for sure. I don't think that that was actually intentional. Intentional. I think somebody lost <laughs> yeah. control of their horse and that guy just happened to make it out alive. Yeah. Well, they got filmed, so that's cool. Yeah, cool. there is that. There is. I that. don't know. To me, the the end is satisfying because everyone gets put down, <laughs> and yeah, you, know, you get that that nice mortality aging scene at the very end. So deep. You so know, fun. as much as I hate that, I actually kind of like it because it's so abstract that like it kind of works for me in a way. Because so much of this other shit in this movie, it's like it's trying to be literal about its pacing and it like time shit back to back in order to try to progress like some sort of scene order. 
But like that is just sort of like out of the fucking blue and it just kind of like is just there and it's the end of the movie and I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, I, I, mean, <laughs> I can respect that. Sure. I mean, it doesn't bother me as much as I give on in the notes that I like I'm fucking pissed off about the ending of this movie, but it's actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be with the ending because like the rest of it, I mean, even even the killing up to the ending, like up until them actually having that like multiple crossfade, them aging and dying thing, this whole end sequence of people being shot and run down, I'm like, cut it. Fuck, man. I don't care. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Get rid of it. It's too bad. It's too bad because, I mean, you can tell that a majority of the budget went there for sure. <laughs> So Paul, looking forward to next week, bro. Like, what uh, is anything standing out on you lately? Something? Yeah, I really haven't thought that far in the future. I mean, maybe one thing that we haven't brought up is like a Vin Diesel movie. You know, like obviously Uh, Vin Diesel's made a lot of bad ones. I just tried to rewatch Pitch Black, and I had seen Pitch Black when I was younger, and I thought it was all right. I tried to watch it again just this week, and I was like, this is awful. (laughs) It's a fucking terrible movie. But as we were going through the uh, the opening, I was talking about Basic Instinct 2, and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I forgot how fucking terrible that was. Like, I actually saw that Basic shit. Basic Instinct 2. Yeah, Damn. I actually that saw like that. Basically a softcore porn. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> no? If, if anything, it's like toned down from the first one. You know oh, what I mean? What? Which is a shame. What the yeah. fuck is the point? Yeah, no, I know. I know. I know. I <laughs> know. Believe me, you're preaching to the choir because the only reason that I watched it is it was on at like one in the morning on HBO. And I was like, eh, fuck it. You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll see Shares and Stone's Beaver one more time. And then it was like <laughs> nothing. And I was like, what the fuck was the point of me sitting there? And I didn't see your beaver. Yeah, no, we could uh, do that. Anything more? When did that come out? When did that come that out? That was 2007 or something like that, dude. It was a while. Yeah, it was like a big Got anything more, more recent? We've been hitting the, the mid-90s pretty hard for this whole <laughs> fucking podcast. There's <laughs> 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 a lot of bad movies in the mid-90s, yeah. dude. Yeah. You know, the only <laughs> other thing that I was thinking of is going back to you hosting an episode was uh, I, I really want to revisit the movie The Air I Breathe because I know it's a fucking terrible movie, but yeah. I remember liking it, and I don't remember why I liked it. I just liked it. And I would like to go back and, like, revisit that movie. And that would, like, cover the drama category that we had been talking about with uh, running down the list of genres. Yeah. And then you had yeah. been talking about doing another shit horror movie. But... Uh, and there's a lot of those. There's a lot of those. <laughs> In the Air I Breathe has, like, a 6.8 on IMDb. I guess the Metascore is pretty shitty, though. It's, it's pretty... terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So maybe that's a good one. Uh, I'd be willing to consider that. Or, Wait, uh, why Why in Gabe's faves did you put The Curious Case of Benjamin Button? Do you have a problem with The Curious Case of Benjamin Button? <laughs> yeah, I think it's boring. I mean, I don't think I could <laughs> shit on it for like three hours, but uh, I don't know. And the, the fact that it's like Forrest Gump too. Yeah, you got Forrest Gump too. And the like, I think the execution just doesn't work out. I think it's a neat concept, but right. like the whole love story to me doesn't work and feels false. I don't know. Yeah, it just doesn't quite work for me. <laughs> but uh, you why know. is Human Centipede on the list? Did you did you not like the Human Centipede? I thought you liked <laughs> that movie. I do, but it's a shit movie. I mean, yeah, it's, it's terrible. terrible. 
but it would be a fun <laughs> one to shit on. I mean, or put our mouths to it and sew them on and let it shit down <laughs> our throats. I don't yeah. know what we want. So in terms of something more recent, I mean, I still haven't seen Eurovision, so I can't I can't Eurovision. promise that I'll hate yeah. that. You know what I mean? But I do hate Will Ferrell with fucking <laughs> passion. So yeah, I know it's it's a very conflicting movie for you, isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, with my second wife Will in Ferrell, there. Yeah. Yeah, but second wife, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I know. I mean, more recently, I mean, there's Force of Nature with Mel Gibson that was just out this last year. You should have left with Kevin Bacon. That was this year as well. That's a shitty horror movie. Um, Jesus. Uh, let's see. What else is on this list? It's recent. Last Days of American Crime. Yeah, I'm. I'm waiting to watch that because I'm afraid that I'm gonna waste two and a half hours of my life and be like, that was bad, but it wasn't <laughs> that bad. <laughs> I mean, erotic thriller, in terms of your erotic thriller that you have here on line 76, like Basic Instinct 2 qualifies for that. Yeah. Uh, recent movies, we could talk about the Jesus Rolls because, like, that's getting terrible marks from everyone. And that was out last year. And I, I would want to watch that, actually. Just because it's the sequel to Big Lebowski. Yeah. I mean, you tell me, yeah. man. I mean, I think we should do the Jesus Rolls just because you have that uh, extra unique perspective on the whole thing right you know right yeah. <laughs> and i was actually excited for it for a moment because uh because i worked on it and i was like hey this is pretty cool and then i saw the reviews coming out for it and i was like oh never mind <laughs> have you ever watched it <laughs> no i haven't seen it oh wow it's just All been right. shit on by everyone so oh. i was like i'm just gonna skip that and pretend that my name guess is we should on get on movie. the the greasy gravy train and uh <laughs> do it ourselves and get fucked in the ass on saturday <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Right? He gets fucked in the ass on Saturday, right? Who does? When the Jesus threatens him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> a pederast, Donnie. The fuck is a pederast, Walter? Shut the fuck <laughs> up, Donnie. <laughs> All right, well, I'll send you uh, the air I breathe and uh, the Jesus rolls, and we can go from there and see which one you want to shoot at. All right, all right, nice. Oh, shit. This is uh, actually a lot less uh, cedars on the torrents for this than I thought. Because nobody gives a shit about this movie because Sarah Michelle Geller is in it. Oh, dude, what about... Uh, I, I can't shit on Scream, but like Scream 3 is awful. Like, that is legitimately I don't bad. remember if I've seen that one or not. Scream 3? That, yeah. That's that's a pretty bad one, man. I was like, pretty entertained by the most recent one. I think, was it Scream 4? I don't or, remember. I don't, uh, I don't think I saw four. I saw three for sure. I remember seeing that. Yeah, four came out fairly recently. Oh, you know? right. 2011. I thought it was actually pretty decent, like better than any of the other. That was the one where he tried to go back to like his roots, right? When Wes Craven was like, okay, well, the other two got kind of off track. They got all the original cast back, and yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amusing. I enjoyed I it. I seen that. You know what movie I absolutely hate is Final Destination. I fucking hate those movies. <laughs> <laughs> like every single one of them is just awful especially the first one and like the first one is the one that like people kind of hold on to for some reason yeah and i don't know why <laughs> i don't know i'm gonna put on the list um final destination because like i know that you wanted to go back to doing shitty horror movies or at least yeah um for a minute a couple episodes or something like that we gotta tackle Super Mario Brothers at some point. Like, <laughs> that's I don't uh, even know how to describe that uh, shit, dude. It was just like 
it shocks good me. Trash, yeah, shocks me that that <laughs> exists. Like between that and the Flintstones, like I'm shocked that those movies exist. Because it's like, what the fuck happened, man? Like, <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well, anyway, I'll I'll send you those two, and we'll check it out and see what's up. I do eventually want to circle back and try to do Van Helsing just because I fucking hate that movie and I want yeah. Trip to come back for that episode oh, yeah. because Trip actually be liked that movie for some reason. <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman is one. Hugh Jackman. I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's got like a hard on for him oh, that yeah. I don't understand, yeah, but yeah. whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, so until next time, dear listeners, this is the Movie Jigs Podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. And I am Paul Schendel. Thanks for joining us, you guys, once again. Rate, review, subscribe, all that shit. Help us bump up some of the listens here, people. Stop being lazy bitches and fucking subscribe. Do it for your God. <laughs> all right. All right. Good night, guys.